talk to you about a subject tonight I'm really hesitant to do uh, didn't you know um, humbled by the subject myself an area that I've had that I've had war personal war um, in my in my own personal life and now you'll understand it we'll go through this I want to say uh, Bruce Humbert's with us tonight and he's dear Fabulous wife. And uh, Bruce Humbert's the most loved man in America beside Dr. Gillespie. Dr. Gillespie had four girls. You had five girls? He got you by one, brother. But a man who has a bunch of girls is one loved, one loved individual. If you had five boys, they care less. But uh, if you have five girls, brother, they just love you. They love you, and they love on you, and love their daddy. Typical, typical. You know, there's exceptions to all that. But we appreciate Bruce Humbert, his spirit, his ministry, and his church. And, and in fact, he tortures my soul. I'm hoping it gets right tonight after I preach on this. He tortures my soul about being on a, in Hawaii. He'll say, he'll send me a little text and say, uh, this is from Hawaii, you know what I mean? You know, I, I cry a little bit, but I get over it. But, you know, we, if I didn't live in South Florida, I, but, uh, but praise God, our brother has a beautiful ministry of a Sauk Trail Baptist Church. I've heard nothing but good about it, never been there. But it's outside, I'm thinking it's the west side of Chicago area, south, south of Chicago. Well, I've never been there, so I don't know. But it's an Indian name. Uh, that's a different, S-A-U-K. That's a different Indian uh, Sauk Trail. Probably got quite a history on it. We're up in that area. Look them up. Look them up up there at Salt Trail. I want you to take your Bibles, if you would. I'm going to turn in our Bibles. Um, a lot of times I have the verses down on my notes, and don't and I read them for you to speed it up. But tonight I'm going to probably jump off of that a little bit and read some verses uh, to clarify some possible misunderstandings when this subject is preached, uh, because there are definitely misunderstandings people have on this subject, on Jesus' teaching. Matthew chapter... Uh, uh, so what chapter is this? That's a good question, you know. That's where I'm at tonight, right? I thought it was chapter 18, but I wanted to make sure I was right on that. Chapter 18, verse 21. 18, 21 through 35. And I want to... This thing's been plowed every way you can plow it. No, no preacher worthy salt would avoid this passage. You would do this passage. Uh, churches... They're evangelists, when they come by, almost always, if they preach a five-day meeting, they'll almost always do one message on this subject of forgiveness, the subject of forgiveness. And let's start with verse 21. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him until seven times? And that would be a lot, to be honest with you. It'd be a lot. Seven times be a lot. If you came up to me and, and wronged me, outright wronged me, it hurt me. 
six times. And you came up and said, would you forgive me? I repent. Would you forgive me? I I'm, I'm, I'm hope I'd be enough Christian to say, okay. But remember what your mom used to say about dad? They'd say, I forgive you, but don't do it again. Remember that? About the second or third time on my parents, they were short. And maybe they should have studied this a little bit. But anyway, they used to say about the second or third repetition of me going to them, and same thing, you know, sinning against them in the same area and saying, please forgive me. They'd be like, okay, now, you know, I'm going to forgive you, but, you know, I don't want you to be doing that again. How many heard that? The rest of you, rest of you either a lion or you're too innocent to be true. It's not possible. But anyway. But seventh, the seventh time, the seventh time, the number of God, you come by and say, please forgive me, I wronged you. You would, you'd be like, man, six times, this is the seventh time you've wronged me, same thing. I mean, how many times am I going to have to forgive you? That was the question. And Jesus said unto him, I say unto thee, until seven times, not until seven times, but until 70 times seven. And you know that's just infinity. That's just, there's no end amount. If somebody repents and they're honest about it, I mean, you, you must forgive them. So then he goes on to nail it. He says, tells a parable. He says, therefore the kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, and which owed him 10,000 talents. And the value of that is basically a lifetime of work. For as much or more. And for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife and children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. The servant I want you to note this. The servant fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, I have patience with me. I will pay all. Um, he was uh, repentant and willing to do restitution. The servant therefore fell down. Okay, have patience with me. Then the Lord of the servant was moved with compassion and loosed him, forgave him the debt. The same servant went out and found out one of his one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence, which is not much at all, and he laid his hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. His, his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Now, they both basically repented the same way. Repented the same way. Both of them were sincere and repented the same way. But the reaction was quite different. And he would not, and went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. Debtor's prison. We don't have that in America. Our forefathers came from an area of debtor's prison. They knew debtor's prison. But they decided in the United States there would be no debtor's prison. They, they, bankruptcy instead of debtor's prison. That's what you got. You can thank God you live in a country that doesn't put you in prison for the rest of your life because you didn't pay your debt. But there are countries that will. Um, so when the fellow servants, and notice it was not the master that noticed it. It was the fellow servants saw that was done. They were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked 
servant. This is a high treason offense. This is not a little bump in the road. I, don't you get tired of people when they begin to confess their sin, they say, I made a mistake. Whatever you do, don't downplay your sin. Don't, don't go to God and say, you know, I made a mistake. Call it what it is. Okay? Call it what it is. It wasn't just a little mistake. It was a willful decision that you made you knew was wrong. And they said here, well, and God makes it clear, O oh, thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt, which was a lifetime of work, because thou desirest me. You simply were sincere, and you fell down, and you had a, 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 a and so I let it go. I let it go. Shouldst not thou also have compassion on thy fellow servant, even as, even as, this comparison, I had pity on thee. And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. And this is the application verse, verse 35. Real short application. The denouement. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you. Circle that. Do also unto you. I want you to circle that. Do also unto you. If ye, from your hearts, not from your head, there's a lot of difference between saying I love you from here and I love you from here. Amen. When I got married, I said I love you from here. It wasn't a business agreement. It was a heart agreement. And uh, he said, from your hearts, forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. So we're challenged in this life as born-again believers to forgive those who sin against us. I'm going to ask you a question. Please do not raise your hand or stand up and do crazy something crazy. But have you ever had anybody sin against you? You ever been a parent? Have you ever had anybody sin against you? Have you I'm going to give you some real-life illustrations, and you, you should not know who they attach to, but if you, if you, find, if you know who they belong to, don't mention it, will you? Have you had a son? He gets into financial trouble, and you help him. He comes and asks you to help him. You help him. You take your retirement money and give him some of that. And he promises on the Bible, <laughs> cross your heart, hope to die, scouts honor, to repay and to sell some of his luxury items that he possesses some of his luxury items that he possesses. He's going to sell them and repay that large loan that you gave him. Months pass, uh, maybe yay, years pass. He doesn't pay you. And you notice he doesn't even sell his luxury item. He still has his luxury item. He still rides around in it, which he keeps in the garage in the wintertime because he doesn't want to get it dirty. And so he doesn't even need this item. He could sell it and pay you. But he seems to have absolutely no concern about paying you back. How would you react? How would you react? Um, you, example two, you hire employees in good faith. You teach them everything you know. 
that's taken many years to learn. Uh, you, you've learned from, from many years of experience, going to school, whatever. They, they sign when you hire them, you, you sign with them a no-compete agreement. Now, well, let me tell you what a no-compete agreement is. It's a matter of honor. You sign a piece of paper that says you will not compete with that business. You'll not take their secrets that they're going to teach you, that they've learned hard through the blood, sweat, and tears of being in business. You're not going to take their secrets and quit them and go use it against them. You're not going to take their customer list that you only have access to because you work for the person. And you're not going to call all the customers when you leave and say, hey, I've left so-and-so, and now I'm starting up a new deal just down the road. And you really dealt with me anyway. You never really knew the owner. So why don't you transfer all your business down there? Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands how many times that's happened. What would you do? How would you react when somebody wrongs you like that? Uh, example number three. And I'm not, I'm not making these up. This is real life stuff. I'm just not putting names on it. Uh, you marry a seemingly perfect mate. <laughs> I did, I know. I'm not talking, wait a minute. Let me, let me fix this out. This is not, I'm not talking about my wife here. But you, you marry a seemingly perfect mate. She's honest, truthful, caring. <clears throat> you are a pastor. I'm not talking about my wife. You're a, this, <clears throat> this story comes from a pastor that told me this. Okay, I just want to get this straight in case you, you conspiracy theorists out there try to put this on me. Don't do it. My wife and I are ecstatically married still after all these years. <laughs> this, uh, you're, you're a pastor in a thriving church, love the Lord, doing call in a hospital, calling, preaching every Sunday. You have the utmost confidence in your wife. You pastor for 10 years. Pastor for 10 years. And one night she comes up to you and she confesses that she has been sexually unfaithful for the last five years years to some other man in the church and obviously she leaves you and divorces you you lose your church you lose your wife and you lose your ministry how would you react how would you react to that now these are real life scenarios of people betraying you one way or another. And I can just about guarantee you that you're not going to live long without people betraying you. And most of the time, they're of your own household, meaning distant family, relatives, uncles, aunts, God forbid your own brother, own sister, your mom, your dad. But, but yeah, I hate to say it, but yeah, these things happen. Now, <clears throat> let's just say this as we begin to, you're born again tonight. Let's just say, by the grace of God, you know Jesus, your personal Savior. You're born again. All your sins are forgiven. I'm not going to go through all the verses that talk about your sins being forgiven, but there is a whole plethora of verses that talk about us being forgiven uh, by the what? Grace of God. That means the sheer, absolute, unadulterated grace, mercy 
of undeserved of God. If When I step in heaven by his mercy and his grace, it will be by his mercy and his grace. It will not be because I'm somehow vir virtuous. It will not be because I somehow earned it <clears throat> or in any fashion deserve it. It'll be because he has graciously forgiven me all my debt. <clears throat> Doesn't take a genius to put two and two here, does it? So no matter what anybody else does to us, past that, it is small in comparison to the big debt that Jesus Christ has forgiven, God the Father has forgiven you. Is that correct? Now, I'm not saying it, don't, it seems small to you, but the, the truth is no matter how or what scenario in this room, there's probably all kinds of scenarios are represented here of people being betrayed, uh, horribly betrayed and things. But no matter what that is, if someone comes and repents, asks forgiveness, we must forgive them. And it must be from the heart. It must be. Otherwise, bitterness, often what people call, I'm hurt. You know what's funny about bitterness? Nobody wants to admit they got it. It's like, it's like a pride thing. Oh, yeah. People come in my office, explain their story, and I'll say, well, the truth is you're bitter. No, no, preacher. No, 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 no. Preacher, preacher. No. I'm just hurt. I, I, you would be hurt if I went, well, yeah, no doubt it hurt you. No doubt. I'm not doubting it hurt you. It hurt you. It gutted you like a fish. And, and I mean, but the truth is, you haven't forgiven them and you're bitter, or you wouldn't even be coming in here talking to me. Bitterness can be translated as hurting, disappointment. It is most of the time and oftentimes not recognized. Uh, but the consequences for not forgiving are big. Okay, I'm just going to give you this. The consequences for not forgiving keeps Dr. Crabb financially well. I don't doubt that many of the problems Christians have in their life, physically, emotionally, and all that, are not, are, are, cannot be traced back to what we read in the Bible as a thing called the tormentors. The tormentors. What are some tormentors? Let me give you some ideas. Physical illness can be a tormentor. He says, I'm going to turn him over to the tormentors. That's a broad statement. What it means is it's not going to make you happy. Now, let me, let me get this clear. Not all sickness is from this. Not all trouble. Not all any of this. As I mentioned, these, these are, in some cases, this is what's happening to people because they have not forgiven from the heart somebody who's offended them. But not in all the cases. And so if I mention this, don't say, preacher thinks I'm being, I'm sick because I'm, being tormented by the tormentors. First of all, I would not know that. Secondly, I'm just preaching the truth and letting it fall. It's like rain. It falls on the just and the unjust. You know what I mean? 
But no doubt, some tormentors can be physical sickness. It can be a reduced immune system or ulcers. It can be emotional disorders, physical breakdowns, cancer, anxiety, reduced energy levels, resulting in a continued despondency or depression, despair, obsession with the offender. Ooh. Let me say this. If you have a list on anybody, come forward tonight. You know what I mean by list? I've had people come into my office and sit down and without any notes. Now, I know Brother Tom can't even remember if he flew here or not. But they, these people got a photographic memory, Brother Tom. They can name a detailed list of wrongs that these certain person has done to them. And I'm saying, how do you, you know how they got it? They review it often. Oh, Brother Barrows, how do you think he's memorized almost all them scriptures? He reviews them often. He made a mistake tonight on the one, but I didn't want to embarrass him about it. It says, 844 says, there is no truth in him. Thought I'd just mention that. But, uh, and I'm confident he'll not be bitter. But I'm not confident that you won't take up his offense and be bitter for him. That's another thing that you shouldn't do. <laughs> and I can challenge you on that one, that's for sure. But spiritual disorders can be attributed to some tormentors. Like, how about unanswered prayer? Husband and wife fight, won't get right with each other. The Bible flat out says you hinder your prayer life, straight up and down. Tells you that. Whether you like it or not, you need to be right with your wife. You need to be right with your husband. No joy. Uh, no zeal for the things of God. A loss of interest in the things of God. Uh, well, here's a big one. Peace is gone. Peace is gone. Sometimes sleep is gone. Lack of God's personal blessings. But all these things are what comes from not being willing to totally forgive from the heart an offender against you. Now notice, in both cases, the offender came to the person and asked them to forgive him, basically. Okay, in both cases. Um, I'm just trying to think. In Luke chapter 17, verse 3 and 4, let's take our Bibles and look at that. Luke 17, 3 and 4. And I'm, I'm turning here. This is really strange for me. This is the way I used to preach. After tonight, you may say, we better go back to it, preacher. But anyway, 17, 3, and 4, it says, Take heed to yourselves if thy brother trespass against thee. Rebuke him. I don't think there's a thing wrong with telling somebody, you ought to pay me back. You borrowed this on good faith. You signed a piece of paper. You gave your name. You signed a no-compete. You did this. You should keep, you took vows at the altar. You ought to keep your word. There's nothing wrong with saying that. And if he repent, forgive him. Basically, if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day, turn again to thee and saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. It's pretty clear there. I don't think this is humanly possible without the Holy Spirit's help. I, I just don't think we got that kind of patience naturally. I don't think the old flesh is very good at forgiving, personally. It's real good at grudge holding. Amen? We got an amen on that? People will hold grudges for a lifetime on stuff. Uh, but, but, but not too good at forgiving. But the Holy Spirit, and I'm talking to born-again believers, and 
This is what we're discussing tonight. When something comes into my life, let me share something personal with you. When something comes into my life, some tormentor comes into my life. Now, not always the tormentors come to you for this reason. Sometimes tormentors come to you to increase your patience. Tribulation worketh patience. You could say tormentors work patience. Okay, so it's not always as a, you know, God has having to rebuke you to try to get you to forgive. You may have forgiven, but the point is you have these things to help you spiritually in some cases. These tormentors come, even to this guy who didn't forgive, to help him. Till he should finally get the idea that maybe he should forgive that guy held by the throat. I mean, God's trying to help him. He loves you. But the Bible says that whom God loves, he chastens. Every son he receives. Right? So they come. But when I get a problem, a tormentor comes in my life. I've had lots of them. I've had lots of them. I'll just tell you that. I've had, I'm going to say I've had at least eight or nine serious tormentors coming in my life. First thing I do is go before God and say, now is there anybody that I haven't forgiven and show me I'll forgive them. I understand how much I've been forgiven, at least in some degree. I am an old, old sinner deserving of hell. I, I, I deserve to split hell wide open for all eternity. And Jesus intervened and got in me and let me see the gospel and let me be saved. And I'm forever, ever, 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 ever grateful for that. And that gratitude motivates me to forgive. And I, so, so when, when a tormentor comes in my life, the first thing I go to is, Lord, is there, I start searching. Lord, is there anything that is a, the, the reason, is there a reason this tormentor has come to my life that I need to get right about? And I think the Holy Spirit, you know, if your child comes to you and says, I'd like to clean the room, I'd like to clean my room, what are you going to do, smack him? You say, no, I'd really like to clean my room. You're going to say, sure, okay, you want to clean the room, I'll make it happen. I think if you go to God and say, I want, I want, to, I want to learn whatever you're bringing by this, this trial, I, wouldn't it make sense to you? You think he's a better father than we are? I think he is. He's going to say, okay, I'll show you. I'll show you what it is. Now, I will say this. God's time frame is not our time frame. The 12-year woman with issue of blood, that's a long time. The 18-year woman that was healed on the Sabbath, who Satan, he said, had specifically caused that to happen to her, that's a long time, 18 years. Symptoms of bitterness can be preoccupation with the individual that's hurt you. You think about him or her all the time. It just comes through your mind. You, you have invented and imagined 500 ways to kill or maim him or her. You know, you see me laugh because that's about the way it is. Um. You, you cut him off as though you, you've never in your life, uh, you think bad thoughts about him, you, you go around killing his or her reputation, trying to do him harm, in other words. You, you take matters in your own hand. I've had phone calls where people have said, Brother Bill, I'm going over to shoot somebody. I'm going over to kill somebody. I say, now, whatever you do. Now, I, only know, I know I only have a short little opportunity to, 
stop a murder. I've stopped a few murders at Gospel Baptist. And I would, I would say, now, let's, let's just, before you do any further, first of all, you called me before you committed the act, and so you want me to tell you why not to do it. And I'm going to tell you why not to do it. Were well, you willing to listen? Yes, I'm willing to Okay. Um, you're going to go to prison for life, and, and you're probably going to get a cellmate called Bubba. And Bubba is going to abuse and misuse you like you've never been abused and misused on this planet. And you're not going to get away from it. And you're not going to escape. So do you think it's worth that? And praise God, there have been no murders here so, so far at the gospel. But, you know, I'm not taking that out. But it's a form of bitterness. I mean, when you want to kill somebody, it's a form of bitterness. Uh, and you, going around, people that are bitter go around and try to get other people to agree with them about why they're bitter. Well, if you heard what that person did to me, you'd be just like me. You'd feel like me. And they go around and do that. They have an attitude. Sometimes it affects their facial expressions. I remember when some people got saved uh, here at Gospel, their literal face changed. Have you ever seen a face change? It's the best facelift you'll ever get is to get right with God. You forgive everybody and everything, and God forgives you. Your face just takes a brand. That's why I look so young. You'll, you'll be having to get right with me afterwards. Huh? But, yeah, I mean, you know, you, you just, I, I, Brett Williams sat back there where old uh, Mr. K sets. He got right with God, and his face and whole, whole countenance changed, the old biker. Uh, uh, Dan, Dan Robinson, Dan Robinson, boy, that's an old one. Dan Robinson got right with God. I went over to his house, he'd have a beer in his hand, and he'd say, I ain't interested in the gospel. One day he came here and he walked in, and I looked at Dan, and I said, Dan, you got saved. He said, I did, preacher. And you could just see it on his face. It'll change your countenance. Why? Because you give up all the bitternesses against everything that's ever happened, you give them to Jesus, lay them at the cross. Why? Well, it's a... It's better than a sleeping pill. It's better than nerve medicine. Uh, it's better than high blood pressure medicine. It will soothe the angry, disturbed soul. A good dose of, I forgive from the heart. Everything that's going on. Well, you know the story in this parable. I'm not going to go over it again. He says, so likewise shall my heavenly father... Do also unto you, if you from your hearts are not forgive everyone his brother trespasses. How many Christians tonight are suffering from depression, anxiety, ulcers, heart trouble, no peace, joylessness, restlessness, mental illness, criticalness, criticalness, Ooh. grouchiness? I don't have that trouble. I've been sweet for a number of years now. And miserableness. How's that for a description? You're just miserable. People, just miserable. And is it worth it? Your life's going by, day by day, and through each passing moment. You know, every day that goes by, you got this. God has given you so many days. He knows how many days you're going to have on this earth. And every day you wake up, that goes like this. Click, click, click. Your timer is going tonight. And our timer, I don't know how many days you got. You say, well, I'm not very old. Oh, yeah, this may be your last day. 
This may be, you could be older than I am as far as staying on this old earth. And click, click, click. Don't waste any one of those clicks. Man, by the grace of God, don't waste them. Being bitter, somebody don't even know you're bitter at them. And really, by honest with you, don't even care. Most time people, you're bitter at somebody, they don't even care. They're glad you're miserable. They're glad you're bitter at them. They're glad you're thinking about them. Why would you want to think about somebody you don't like? Here's the crazy thing about all that. Is when you think about somebody over and over and over again, you get like them. Imitation is the highest compliment. So if you have somebody on your mind all the time, pretty soon you're finding out, you'll you're, you're start looking like them. You'll start acting like them, being like them. That's why a, a, a child cannot get bitter at his parents. Absolutely. I don't care what your parents do. Don't get bitter at them because you'll become like what you hate. I'm not saying all parents are good parents. There are some parents. They're so bad I can't even believe it myself. And I'm just glad they're not my parents. But if they're your parents, don't, don't waste your time being upset with your mom and dad because that was the parent and parents that he assigned to you. And you might as well just say, God doesn't make mistakes. He's good all the time. He gave me these two parents, though I don't have a clue why. But that's his divine choice that I was born through these two humans. I got 23 uh, chromosomes on the one and 23 chromosomes on the other. And maybe a one chromosome short. But it's God's decision. That's why the fifth commandment is without condition. Honor your father and mother. It's without condition. You got a drunk for a mom and dad? Honor your mother and father. You got a, you got a drug addict for a mom and dad? A whore? Some of our bus kids have drug addict, whorish women for mothers. They didn't choose them. Don't get bitter at them. You don't approve of what they're doing, absolutely not. But you don't have to be bitter. Forgive them as you've been forgiven. And ask God to cleanse you from all bitterness. I think Ephesians 4.31, uh, there was a time I really sinned against my mom and dad. Hurt them. I hurt them bad. And when I went to them to tell them what I had done, it was one of the harder things I've ever done in my life. I, I love my mom and dad, and they had been good to me. They didn't deserve it. Not that anyone deserves it, but everyone's humanly speaking. And so I went to him and I told him this, and my mother wept. And quoted Ephesians 4.32. Be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. I'm glad she quoted that first. I thought my dad was going to kill me. Because he got real quiet and that wasn't a good sign. And when she quoted that verse, I said, yeah, dad, that's a good, that's Bible, man. That's, that's Bible verse. It's Bible. I think he wanted to whip me and then quote it. Probably should have. I hope you're not tormented tonight. I hope when the tormentors come by, by the way, they will. Uh, nobody gets out of this thing. Nobody gets out of this thing without testing. In fact, James chapter 1, the whole chapter talks about, oh, rejoice. 
that you're under testing. Well, I don't know about you, but I don't rejoice. It's hard for me to rejoice in a migraine headache. It's hard for me to rejoice in pain. But the truth is, he's asking you to do that, knowing that ultimately this pain is working good in your life. It reminds me of people that go down to the gym. They go down to the gym, and they actually pay people to make them suffer. You know, your, your trainer, and I've never had a trainer, but a trainer is supposed to make you do what you don't want to do because it's the best thing for you to do. It's like when you go to the doctor. you got anything wrong with you. The first thing the doctor says, you got to lose 50 pounds. Oh, you got to lose weight. That's about a cure-all, man. You got high blood pressure, you got to lose weight. You got sleep apnea, you got to lose weight. Doc, how am I doing? <laughs> yeah, I don't have any energy. Lose some weight. You don't believe it? Ask Joe Franz. Who said that? Joe Franz. Joe. He was a big old boy. He sat in his bobcat. You know, bobcat has this thing that goes over the top of you. You know, you sit in a seat and it has this safety bar that comes over. I was using his bobcat at my house, right? He came over and got the bobcat. He got in that bobcat. He filled that baby up. And he put that bar down. He had to squeeze that bar down. That bar is like that far away. He squeezed that bar down. I said, Joe, man, you can't gain no more weight. Your, the safety bar ain't going down. I said, if you turn this over, you won't even move. You'll just stay right in there. You don't have to wear your seatbelt. You almost heard when he got out of that thing, you almost heard like a whoop. I, Joe, pretty soon I see Joe, man, he's half the man he used to be. And he said to me, Bear Bill, I have so much energy, I can't even believe it. I have just energy galore. I got energy, energy. So I know you don't want to hear that. Yeah. By the grace of God, the tormentors that come to us from God, man, they come from a loving Father. And do you think it insults God if He's forgiven you everything? That you hold grudges? You don't forgive. But you don't know the way my husband's treating me. I have a, one of the biggest... Let me be careful here. At least a recurring major problem that I see often in marriages is... A, is a woman being bitter at her husband. See, the, the man's the head of the house. He's a, kind of the ruler of the little kingdom. Uh, and so he commits a lot of offenses that he don't even know he's committing. And sometimes the wife is building up these little offenses. And, they, you know, ten little offenses make through one major offense. And pretty soon, you know, she's starting to punish him through various methods that she has, little tools that she's got in her toolbox. And so she's not, you know, when she's cooking, she's burning the cookies instead of doing them right. Or, or she's not doing the cookies. Or she's, so many other things she's got. In her, and pretty soon you get, this, you, get this, you get this little war going. And how's God going to bless that? Both of them born again Christians, for all their sins forgiven, forgiven. And brother, you know, by the grace of God, I, I, if you're going to err, how about erring unforgiven folks? You know what I mean by that? Okay, I shouldn't have forgiven them. They didn't, they didn't deserve it, but I did it anyway. You know what I mean? 
I've tried to do this, and I'm, I'm be, I've been challenged. Man, I have been challenged on this area. And I so much want to please God in this area. I hope you do too. Father, help us tonight. Help us, help us, help us. Uh, not to be stupid and hold grudges and bitternesses uh, against anybody in any direction, especially when they come and they ask us to forgive them. And my, oh my, how, how awful that would be if we'd say, no, I'm not going to forgive you, I'm not going to do it. I've heard it. I've heard people say it. Father, uh, may your tormentors do what they're supposed to do. Bring us to a place of repentance. Father, the pray tonight that you just help apply this as you see fit, uh, as it's been put out in our minds. Do the work that the Holy Spirit only can do. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida, also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.